This... This isn't real. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. You've been living in a dream world, Neo. This is the world as it exists today. Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets, and future tech in relatively plain English. We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get a fear of missing out. You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice. Awesome. Everything in this show is in the show notes. So if you're hearing about something awesome, you'll find the links at stuff we're talking about and there'll be timestamps in the, uh, well, underneath that to the relevant parts. So you can always skip ahead and find it later. So this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Cardano as our featured crypto of the the episode. We're going to be going through a bit of news, including a few exciting VR things. We're going to be talking about uh, password managers in our regular privacy and security segment. And uh, a cool tool, which is Medium. Mm, Cool. Let's get into it. If you want to be part of the show, you can record a voice message in Telegram or email to us at FOMOshow.com. At protonmail.com. And no one actually sends us voice recording. It makes you want a bit... To be fair, the first time we did the episode, it was so hard Mm. to record something coherent. Mm. It really was. I mean, we have to have several takes to nearly get any segment done on this show. We're a little bit better now, but Mm. when we first started, we cut out a lot more than we actually kept in. Mm. So... Don't feel like you have to, once it's sent, it's sent. You can record it on your phone or whatever and then find what works best for you and send that in. Um, or we can, you know, you could send it through and we might chop you up into small pieces. I mean, no. Oh. <laughs> no, but yeah, if you've got anything, if, if you fancy plugging your business or uh, your, your project or. Yeah, look, we just want to highlight what people are doing, you know, and if, you, if you, it, it doesn't have to be a question for us. It can be a, hey, guys, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to. Do you want to give us a plug on the show? We're more than willing to do that. We just want to help build the space. So, Amazing. Cool. So what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Yeah, mate, we are just fresh off the uh, second Blockchain for Business meetup. So we actually had to cancel our regular Monday night recording of the show to, uh, to go to this meetup. So uh, it's the, the second one. We had a really good turnout. Uh, we had about 50 people, I think, that, that were there. The place was pretty packed. We couldn't really find many more seats to actually sit people down, which was great. And uh, the meetup topic was Ethereum and smart contracts. And we also had uh, Tabor and Jamie from a company. Yeah. Yeah. called Labris here in Brisbane. Fascinating company. If you haven't looked it up, uh, check it out. Labris, L-A-B-R-Y-S. They're building a bunch of different cool things for businesses. But the thing that I get, took away from it was a platform for trading unlisted securities. So like shares in private companies, for example, could mm. be a use case for that. Really exciting stuff. Yeah. Really switched on team. Yep. Great to meet him. Yep. Yeah. So, so definitely check them out. We'll put the link in the show notes. We also heard from uh, Paul from the Block Conscious Summit, which mm-hmm. is happening here in Brisbane too. Uh, so they've got guests like John McAfee and Roger Ver who are coming along, and a bunch of 
other people who are flying from different areas of the world too. So yeah. uh, we'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. But yeah, look, it was a it was a great night. A lot of people came not just to hear about the technology, but also to network. We uh we were going till about nine o'clock, I think, and we the, it, it all people started arriving around six o'clock. So it was a big night. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people. Just great to see what the community is doing. So mm-hmm. if you are based here in, in here in sunny Brisbane, Australia. And uh, you haven't been, definitely come along to the next mm, one. Come and say hello, yeah. We also had our first crypto drinks um, with FOMO listeners. Um, yep. Great to see, great to see uh, Marianne and Brendan there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really good. We, we went and paid with crypto uh, at one of the little, I think it's Nom Nom Korean eatery here in Brisbane. Yeah. We had <laughs> and, some uh, well wishes from overseas. Thank yeah, you, yeah, that. yeah. But that's, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping to do more of that. So if you are in the region, just let us know and, and yeah. we're definitely keen to have a beer with with any of, the, any of our listeners. Yeah. Give, yeah. Us, give us some hate mail in real life. <laughs> what, what have you been up to, mate? Oh, mate. Oh, do you know, I bought a, if you've never been to Australia before, they've got this thing here. It's like a tent. It's called mm. a swag. Mm. Um. And basically, I bought a double swag. So it's basically a tent with a mattress built in and you can put all your bedding in there and you just – I can't even explain it. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's, a, like, a, it's like a canvas covering for a mattress. And the one you've got, I think you can – And it's semi-cylindrical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so a you don't cylinder really, cut in You don't half. really need a tent. You can just have your swag mm. and – it rolls up and you can take it pretty much anywhere. Mm. Um. Rolling these massive swags up, it actually turned out to be really difficult. Um, I spent about half an hour ra- rolling out for the first time. Yeah, you've, you've literally got like cuts on your hands. Um, it was pretty pathetic. <laughs> if, if you were there, it was pathetic to watch. So, um, yeah, very British. <laughs> but, but no, the, I'm, the important thing is you have a swag, though, it's which is very Australian. So I can chuck it in my car. I can go out wherever I want to, you know, go and... And then just sleep under the stars. That's right. Roll it out, sleep, and then wake up the next morning. Yep. And if you Great. do it up, you don't even have to be worried about getting nibbled on by dingoes. Yes, indeed. Yep. Or yep. fallen on by drop bears. That's right. <laughs> or uh, strangled to death by hoop snakes. It's pretty exciting. Australia's stuff. a dangerous place. It's a very dangerous place. Yep. If this is your first time listening, we, we always do this. This show is not financial, legal, professional, or any other type of advice. New cryptocurrencies are popping up every day. It's hard to know which ones are legitimate and which are not, where you should be placing your money. It's hard to know whether ICOs are securities or whether you're, you're they're, they're free reign. We're not giving an opinion on any of those. And if we do, it's not professional advice. And we're definitely not saying you should buy anything at all. Mm. So do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose. And most of all, avoid the fear of missing out. If you're new around here and new to crypto, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and and continues until episode eight. Yeah, it'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals to help you understand what we're talking about Mm. on this show. Yeah. So if if you're brand new here, you could do a lot worse than going back to the start. uh, You've you've generally got to... Some some, uh, podcast managers don't let you go as far enough back. We've found. So if you're having any issues, go on the website. Yep. On the website, FOMO.show, all the episodes are on there. And we've got a link, uh, an audio link to each episode on the website. So you should be able to listen from there. What's happening in the news this week, mate? You showed me this incredible device that's just been just been announced or announced pretty recently. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Microsoft Surface Go. Yeah, so look, we'll put the link to the YouTube video in the in the comments, but I got 
really excited when I saw this because I, I run a lot of what I do from my Surface now. It's okay. uh, my main desktop's a Linux desktop, and I've, I've done that for various reasons. But uh, the Surface just works so well for me because it's a tablet and a laptop, runs full version of Windows. Uh, it's it's really versatile. I, I use it presenting on the go, all sorts of different things. Um, but the one barrier to entry with it is that it's around about eleven hundred or twelve hundred Australian dollars to right, buy, right. like for the base model mm. to buy new, and then you've generally got to buy the keyboard as well. So which is like another two hundred dollars. So it's quite expensive, and for a market where you can get, say, an iPad for you know three hundred, four hundred dollars. Or you can get a Chromebook for like two ninety nine or three ninety nine. It's not really geared to compete there. But Microsoft have just announced that they're going to be offering what they call a Surface Go, which is like a stripped down version of the Surface, but it still has all the functionality that you get with a Surface. Uh, similar kind of keyboard, similar kind of features where you can you can transform it from a tablet to a laptop and vice versa. For I think three hundred ninety nine dollars US, which is about four ninety nine. Australian, wow. so it's right in that sweet spot of the uh, the Chromebook market. And uh, for anyone that's used a Chromebook, you'd know that your 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 capabilities with the Chromebook are pretty limited. Same thing with the iPad; you don't, you're not getting the full desktop experience. But if you can run like a full desktop on something that costs you three hundred ninety nine dollars and do it well, I mean, mate, it's wow. it's it's just and it's so against what Microsoft normally does, you know? The build quality on these devices is phenomenal. I bought the very first Surface, the cut-down version called the Surface RT. Regretted it because it wasn't for Windows, <laughs> but the build quality on these devices is incredible, mm. and it's only got better since. Mate, yeah, like this Surface is a... I'm not, we don't, we're not sponsored by Microsoft or anything like that, and, uh, but the, the, the Surface I have is, is amazing. It's an incredible piece of hardware. It's never skipped a beat. There's no moving parts in these new ones, so it's all uh, vacuum-cooled, they call it. So these things don't really even heat up much. Um, I, I I use it for nearly everything, mate, I, and, mm. and, and they're really, really well built. So definitely something to watch, but I, I'm always excited to see good computing becoming more accessible for people, and that's genuinely what they're doing here. Next up, Volkswagen are seeking a patent for intervehicular blockchain communication system. Um, wow. So they've applied for a patent allowing vehicles to communicate with each other through a blockchain-based network aimed to increase road safety by warning of nearby vehicles and alerting the driver to potential collisions. That's coming out of CCN.com. So it could be potentially used to negotiate actions like merging lanes, overtaking, and a number of other high-risk activities on the road. So... Um, it's the whole idea of vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication messages, you know, being exchanged between vehicles, is pretty exciting. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's a cool little little piece. Yeah, I'm wondering. Like initially, when I saw this, I was wondering why they're using a blockchain at all for it because it's, you know, it it, it does seem like using a blockchain-based system might slow things down. Mm. But I think what they're gearing towards is maybe some kind of more general road safety network that can work across car manufacturers because right. I think one of the biggest issues we're going to face with this whole automated vehicles thing is that everyone's going to want to have their own little platform, mm. their own little program, mm. you know, but if someone can come out and say, hey, look, we're working on this thing, it's open source, and I'm not sure if that's what they're doing here, but yeah. they've filed a patent for it, but uh, if they can work on something that's kind of 
car maker agnostic and everyone can be a part of, then uh, then it might make sense. No sooner had we read this headline, I decided I hated it all of a sudden. <laughs> um, I'm kind of regretting putting it in the show. Oh, no, it's, yeah. it's good though. It's good to have in here because I think when you're reading blockchain news, you really need to come at it critically and you need to be asking yourself, does this really make sense? Like, is this something that actually is good for, for blockchain or is it just a company trying to either head other competitors off or, mm. or overhype something? And yeah, like it's, it, you, you've got to keep a, a bit of a skeptical mind when you're looking at, at these news items and, you know, same thing with ICOs and everything else, asking yourself, you know, is is this actually like a good use case for blockchain? Because mm. you kind of need all of the car makers to sort of come together, you know, and 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 have some sort of consortium mm. where they're saying, "Look, safety is important. Let's yep. all work together on it, and not just have one company build the whole thing and yep. pay all the money and then yeah, yeah, yeah." So, um, like, if this was to be implemented right now, I don't think it'd be much use at all because there's just not blockchain infrastructure out there that could handle it. Real-time messages between cars. Um, mm. I think we've got horns for that. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, or, or, or <laughs> mesh networks or things like that. Like, it's just – imagine if there was congestion on the network. Oh, mate. You know, like, imagine if they tried to run this on the current Ethereum network oh. and CryptoKitties picked up again and <laughs> – you know, the cars were trying to talk to each other, but they couldn't get their transactions through on chain, you know, something like that. I know that's that's a bit of a contrived example because they probably wouldn't use a pub- public chain for it. But that's the kind of things you got to think about when you're developing for blockchain. And um, even at the meetup last night, someone asked a question about does everything make sense with blockchain? And it was, it was I kind of said, look, it's, it's really horses for courses. Like you, if you need something that's really quick, and uh, really responsive, then using like the public Ethereum network just isn't going to cut it because on top of the fact that it's slow, you've also got to pay the fees too. Mm. And so all these cars, if they were to use the current Ethereum model, would need to be stocked up on <laughs> Ethereum gas to make sure their transactions could get through. And Oh, it'd be a nightmare, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but it's you just got to... Just got to look at these things critically and maybe there will be a use case for it down the track, but probably not at the moment. Next next really exciting thing, it was an article coming out of Singularity Hub. Um, it was about it was an article called Inside a $1 billion real estate company operating entirely in VR. This company called EXP Realty in America recently passed to the billion-dollar market cap. It started in about 2007. Now, they've only actually got a small bit of leased space in Washington, which acts as like a storage closet with, you know, an official address and all that sort of thing, and a couple of empty locations where a physical address is required by law in the US, but there's not a single office building associated with the business apart from that. So the growth that they've had, they've got about 12,000 people there, um, and they use this online virtual world, which is similar to Second Life, for training seminars and team meetings and onboarding sessions. Inside, so it's all inside this virtual reality campus. Yeah, this is just absolutely wild. Like, man, I'd never heard of this before you told me, but the more I look at it, the more incredible this. You, you, anyone listening to this, you really need to just go click on the links that we've got in the show notes and actually look at some of these photos and read this article because... This is a massive real estate company. Like we're talking uh, over- Three quarters of these 12,000 people are on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you can see like they've got like a convention they're holding, and there's a bunch of people in the audience listening to the convention, and the slides are up on the screen. Um, there's people. They've got like an actual like virtual world with an with office buildings and 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 coffee places where people can go and you know sit down and hang out. And there's you can walk up to people and just talk to them, and it's just. It's unreal, but in a sense. But you look at it and you start going, "This makes so much sense mm. for so many companies." Like these guys are well ahead of their time, but it's entirely plausible that this is the way pe- people will go because office space is expensive, mm. and it, and and th- th- even what mm. some of the stuff they're talking about here with like cutting down and commute. You know, all of a sudden their brokers don't have to commute to the corporate offices; mm. they can work from their home, and then whenever they've got a property to go out to, they go out to the property. Um, the important thing to note with this is that you don't actually need a virtual reality headset to mm. join in this. Just like with computer games, you can actually use a regular 2D screen to interact with this virtual world. Yep. So it's like a, almost like an online game. As long as you've got a microphone and a headset, yep. or maybe just a headset, yep. you can just take part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it just, it, it's, it's such a window into what, what's going to probably happen a lot more in the future. Sheesh. I mean, we were even talking last week or the week before about being able to just have your virtual office space set up in where you put VR goggles on and you don't need computer screens anymore. Your whole kind of like view mm. could be a computer screen. And for someone like me who uses a bunch of tabs, always has a bunch of windows <laughs> open, I never seem to be able to get, get enough screen space. I was thinking about it and I was like, I'm so silly. Like I should have just bought a VR headset mm. and found a way to set it all up inside VR because then you've you can literally create your own experience. Everything's no, digital inside there, and uh, yeah, you, you just got to read this article. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, so I, I watched that Ready Player One film yeah. uh, by Steven Spielberg. I think it was directed yeah. by, and yeah. the other week, terrifying sort of idea about some kind of tragic future where everyone lives mm. in VR because the real world world is too boring. But that goes onto the not that film, but this whole VR office thing got us onto the idea is we really wanted this blockchain center in Brisbane. Mm. But you had a really cool idea. Why don't we just make a VR blockchain center where people can have their own things, their own, you know, you could go to like, you could go to training, like TED Talks, but you don't have to pay for a ticket. Yeah. And it's just in VR and you just get it through your browser. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's an incredible idea, and the the, the oh, benefit your of idea, mate. well, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't be saying it's a, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, it's an idea, <laughs> um, but uh, the upside of it is is that you've got a crypto community which is already really used to new tech. You've also got the the one thing with a lot of the crypto startups is they're very resource poor and they're very exposure poor, and the reality is where we. A lot of this stuff is happening quite disconnected all around the world, and that's why you're seeing a lot of projects pop up that are all doing a really similar thing because there's no real visibility around the industry. Um, but yeah, like if you can, if if a real estate company can do this, a bricks and mortar real estate company can do this, why are we not doing this in VR in the crypto community? It makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, every you could. Rent for a very small price in crypto, a doorway in one of these, in like a crypto blockchain center. Mm. And then all you would, I was, I was saying before, it's kind of like the TARDIS. Like all you would need is the public facing doorway. The moment people walk into your quote unquote office, you could then have like a, a big office where all your employees sit. It's just you a 3D have like model. An auditorium isn't it? where you hold things. Yeah, it's just a 3D model. Um, you know, it, it's kind of only limited by your imagination. But insane. Yeah, like if we're looking to decentralize and and really kind of shift up the status quo, it would make so much sense to base something like this 
in VR, open source the thing, just let people build and have like a common meeting place where everyone around the world could come and you know have have headquarters for their projects and you can have conferences for yeah. stuff. It would be amazing. Yeah, because the amount of money that's spent on these public venues, and yeah, there are benefits, but looking more and more into what this real estate company is doing, they're not missing out on the networking. They're not mm. missing out on the talking to the other employees because it's all built into the software. They can go up to people and talk to them. So, yeah, like it's it, it'd be something different, but I think it's something that you know is really worth exploring. So mm. I'm gonna like I'm gonna explore it. We'll yeah. probably we'll probably have a look at it. Uh, and if you are a, a developer or someone that's interested in this stuff, please reach out because yeah. uh, I think it would be amazing for the community. I think it'd be really, really good for our community. So. Uh, yeah. Imagine that. We could meet all the FOMO audience and we could all just That's like, right. <laughs> how sick would that be? Well, next piece related to VR. Amazon have put some VR kiosks debuting in 10 shopping malls around India. India. Oh, yeah. So I think it was ahead of this um, Amazon Prime Day or some kind of, yeah, it was Amazon Prime Day. Rather than taking, this is coming out of VentureBeat, rather mm. than taking the obvious retail angle and depositing you in a computer-generated facsimile of a brick-and-mortar store, Amazon instead transports the shopper into a city filled with Prime Day products. Beginning with the fun of a hot air balloon ride, you, you, viewed through an Oculus Rift with full head tracking, the ride lets the shopper briefly see some of the brands and promotions they're featuring before landing in a serene park. Then you, as a shopper, mm. can walk through rooms that reflect the current Amazon store sh- sections, including bath and beauty, kitchen, dining, fashion, whatever, whatever, as well as a technology-focused living room. So the key thing is... Um, each, so all these rooms have their own themes and a sense of physical space with a living room re- resembling like one that would be found in a really cool home, fashion mm. looking like a futuristic sort of store. But using Oculus Touch controllers, you can handle any product in full 3D, including clothing that can be placed on holographic people to wow. determine fit. It's insane. <laughs> now, there's a video that's available for, with it as well. And, uh, and yeah, it's just kind of exciting. And the graphics are going to just get better. Yeah. I mean, right now, yep. this is the equivalent of playing a game in 1998. Mm. Mm. I mean, it was a 2D scrolling shooter. And you know what Battlefield 1 looks like, yep. Battlefield 5 coming up. Yep. The games look nuts today. Yep. And if VR is anything to go by, we are looking at the most ugly thing you've ever seen. And it already looks Amazing. Yeah, look, I say the, amazing. In, it looks good. Well, in the video, you see them like looking at the clothes, and they've got like a real person who like moves around when mm. the clothes come on. And I was talking to my wife about this uh, last week or the week before. I was saying, how much better would it be mm. if you imagine if you didn't have to go physically go to the shops? Because we hate going to the shops because mm. all the shops are massive shopping centers now. You spend half an hour parking, oh. and then you you park, and then you get in the shopping center, and you realize the one place you wanted to go is all the way over the other side of the shopping center. So you got to walk all the way over the other side of the shopping center, go into this shop, get accosted by like shopping representatives who mm. want to sell their product. Mm. And then on the way, you just got to pass all these other shops. Anyway, I was saying to her, how much better would it be for people that love shopping? Because I hate it and I get really <laughs> I get really tied <laughs> around the shoulders and I just get really annoyed. <laughs> people walk in my way, I want to push them over and like, oh, it's just not a good place for me. But I was like, <laughs> how much better would it be if you could just do all that from the comfort of your own home mm-hmm. and go to the stores you want to go to. Or if you want to get that experience, you can still walk down a massive mall because 
real estate space would be so much cheaper in these malls and you could go into these shops and wow. all they would need is your biometrics. That's the thing. And if you want to, obviously, you'd want to have to give that over to Amazon, but all they would need is like the your shape, your, the, your weight, your, your dimensions, and it would be quite easy for them to then build some software where you could kind of preview what the shirt or the, the dress would look like on you. With the right machine learning algorithm, like machine vision algorithm, yep. you could just get your camera, stick it in selfie mode, yep. leave it on a bookshelf, yep. stand back a bit, turn around. Yep. It should be able to pick you up. Yeah, yeah. And you'd just be able to be able to like see there in real time what it would actually you have oh, a virtual mate. mirror. You know, and all of a sudden you're not having to go to all that effort to get into the store. You can oh. just put your VR headset on and go look at it. And you've got a huge selection. I mean, because it's not only then your bricks and mortar stores, it's it's Amazon and all the other online stores that run on it. Finally, you don't get that thing with online retailers where you're buying something online, but you haven't like tried it on. You know, that's my wife. She's always like, she never knows what's coming. She's mm. like, it looks like it'll fit. Mm. I don't know if it'll fit. I don't know how it's going to look on me because I've got to order it. And a lot of these online retailers have to have this thing where you can you can send it back, you know, because mm. they know that most mm. people get it and they'll try it on. And for some people, it won't it won't fit them. So they've got to be able to send it back. You can cut across all that stuff with simple biometric scanner and some VR technology. And can we just so fast sure. forward five years? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I want, man. It sounds so cool. Yeah. So if you're investing in shopping centers, like I just, it's, I just don't think it's the future. It's gonna be like the Matrix. You know when they're like, we need guns. Yeah. Guns. Imagine that you're like, I, I want to buy, a, I want to buy a tent or a yeah. swag, and you just like every single tent on the planet just appears. Yeah. And it's like, well, where do you want to start? And you go, okay, I just want to get rid. I just want a ten-person tent, and it gets rid of a hundred thousand tents. Yeah. And you're like, there are just. 2,000 remaining. And you, you can just, like walk into those tents yeah. and look around and like see the different features. And then see and, some reviews yeah. and like how yep. sick would that be? Yeah, man. Like it just makes so much sense. Oh. I want it. Why can we not have nice things already? <laughs> I want this so bad. I'm actually so excited about that. Well, it's coming. Like, and it, I, I'd love to trial some of this this new stuff. I think yeah. I do need to get an Oculus Rift. I'm just. just to, I want to. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just quit my job, sit at home, and just stare at VR. <laughs> like, go shopping and burn money. Oh. Mm. So, in some more news, Rocket Pool, who are based here in Australia, have just announced that their proof of stake beta for an Ethereum proof of stake pool is out now. As an introduction, if you don't know what proof of stake is, it's where you keep your wallet open uh, to the network to help secure transactions. Mm, yeah, so you've essentially got something at stake. That's the that's the key with proof of stake. So you're essentially putting your your funds into like a off offline mode. I guess you'd kind of say you can't use them. You have them staked, and then every now and then you generally get the privilege of writing a block to the blockchain. And if you do the wrong thing, and the network knows that you've done the wrong thing, they then have the ability to take your stake. And so it's it's generally like you put something at stake, so you're incentivized to keep the network running in the way it should be running. Mm. That's the general principle. All right. Yeah. So what a rocket pool. Uh, what, what's the big deal here? Yeah. So so th- for those people who've been following along with Ethereum, you'd know that there's something called Casper, which is coming out soon. And Casper is their movement away from proof of work, which is how they currently. You currently mine Ethereum blocks. It's very similar to Bitcoin towards proof of stake. And uh, there's there's going to be a, a lot of features with this Casper protocol, apparently. Um, 
And uh, Rocket Pool is essentially trying to allow the everyday user and, bil- and business the ability to earn interest through using this proof of stake system because the current implementation of Casper, if you don't have at least a thousand Ethereum at wow. stake, you won't be making anything from right. the. Uh, you won't be able to benefit from this proof of stake algorithm. So, Rocket Pool are essentially saying, similar to what people do with mining pools mm. with uh, with Bitcoin, let's do a similar thing with Ethereum proof of stake, and let's have everyone able to pool their resources to get to that like a thousand Ethereum threshold and uh, then get rewarded whenever they get to mine a block for staking that that money. So that's essentially what they're building. Mm. They're, uh, and so they're working with the Casper testnet and their, their beat is out now. So their product has just started. So if you uh, if you want to go look at it, we'll put the uh, we'll put the link in the show notes and uh, you can get involved. Um, so next piece of news, Coinbase has just announced that they're exploring Cardano, Basic Attention Token, Stellar Lumens, Zcash and ZeroX for uh, listing on the Coinbase platform. That's pretty exciting news. So that's coming out of uh, Coinbase's blog. And interestingly, it contain, uh, it includes Zcash, which is a privacy-focused cryptocurrency. Mm. And quite big news because Coinbase is, you know, for many, it's their, their onboard to the crypto world mm. because it's got a pretty straightforward user experience compared to some other areas. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, look, I think it's great. I think the more... Um, that can come on to Coinbase, the better. I don't know why they've chosen these five in particular, but Coinbase recently chose Ethereum Classic to list, and I'm not sure why they chose that one either. So uh, there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason as to why they're choosing different things, but I think it's great. I think the more they can put on, the better. It's worth noting that they've said that it may take quite a while for them to be able to get the, the coins onto the platform because it's not as... Uh, easy as Ethereum Classic, which they've been enabling. But yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think the more they can put on, the better. Cardano, we're featuring later in this podcast. And we might uh, we might touch on a few of the others. I think we've touched on Basic Attention Token before. And we might touch on a few of the others at a, at a later date. And since, uh, yeah, look, if something goes on Coinbase, it generally tends to be one of the most held assets mm. because so many people do use the platform. Mm. Wherever you're joining us from, it's an absolute pleasure having you here. Why not drop into our Telegram channel and say hello? You can uh, find it at fomo.show slash telegram. Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, good conversations going on there the last couple of weeks. So uh, if, you, if you do want to get involved in the conversation, click on the link, jump in. We'd love to have you on. What's this week's cool tool? Yeah, so this week's cool tool is something that most people have probably come across, but it's worth just highlighting it because it does provide so much useful information, and that's Medium. So Medium is a online blogging post, that uh, online blogging site that a, uh, a, a lot of people in the space use to provide either information on their projects or information about things they're passionate about. You will find a lot of CEOs, founders, CTOs, man- uh, high-level managers of a lot of blockchain companies and crypto firms will pu- publish there on their own personal account quite often. Mm. I even know Dan Larimer from EOS used to post there nearly every week. He'd put wow. something up. And, and the standard's generally pretty good. Mm. And once the good thing about Medium is that once it figures out what you're into, it starts serving you content based on those interests, right. and, which, is, which is really nice because it, it's like a personalized experience on the wow. platform. So, yeah, I, I find it really, really useful. Do you, do you have much experience with it? I read a lot of Medium. I never signed up for it. But yeah. one thing, I, I love that company because they have such a focus on design. Yeah. 
all of the articles. So you, anybody can sign up. You can sign up if you want to just get writing and you can't be bothered to you know, get a website. Set up a Medium profile yeah. and start writing there. It's beautiful. I mean, mm. it's probably one of the most beautiful reading experiences on the internet. Yeah. So I love it for that. And yeah. I see a lot of articles on there and I enjoy reading it. Mm. So you should get It's really well. easy to read mm. on that side. Mm. It's, re- it's something about their fonts Dem and their spacing. Fonts, you and- don't say it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh. So yeah, check out Medium. We'll put the link in the show notes. So we're just we're going to give uh, a couple of our special guests uh, a quick call, see, see what they're up to. We, we haven't managed to catch up with them in a while, so we just thought we'd give Dan a call first. Um, he told us he's got something in the works. He's been pretty quiet recently. Yeah, he has you know? been pretty quiet. He hasn't he hasn't really reached out to us too much. We we assume he's just baking up some uh, some new offerings mm. while the bull, the bear market continues. Mm. So uh, yeah, I guess we'd better see what he has to say. Hey, Dan, are you there? Joel, is that you? It is indeed. It's been a long time, no see. How are you doing? I've been good, Joel. I've um, been been pretty busy, you know. Things have been pretty quiet. Uh, you gotta you got to be pretty light on your feet in this kind of environment. And I've uh, just been cooking up a little something-something behind the scenes. And That sounds fascinating. What, what have you got for us this time, Dan? Well, Joe, I've been uh, I've been on LinkedIn a lot, Joe. You know I love LinkedIn. Great mm. platform. Really, really schmick, sleek platform. You can access all sorts of business influencers on there, Joe. It's amazing what you can post up on there, and you'll get thousands of likes, Joe. Wow. It's like a it's like a toy store, Joe. There's so much there. So anyway, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, Joe, and what I've noticed is that you can be pretty much anyone. And hold yourself out to be an ICO advisor, Joe. ICO advisors out there, there are a dime a dozen, Joe. And so it got me thinking. I thought, well, Dan Dan the ICO man, he's got a lot of experience in the blockchain space, Joe. He has some great products. So I thought, why not pull all that into one amazing experience, Joe? One slick ICO advisory package. Wow. What what does this package involve? Joe. This package is a complete experience. It's similar to my complete ICO success formula, except instead of getting me on a on a video cast, Joe, on some video some video screens with some slides, you pay a, a certain amount of money and you get access to that repository, which is still there, Joe. Your customers can still sign up for Dan Dan the ICO Men's complete ICO success formula. Excellent, excellent. I hope you'll put that link in the show notes, Joe, because I notice sometimes you forget that link. I hope you'll put that link in, Joe. Certainly won't. But anyway, Joe, Dent ICO Advisory Services, it's a more tailored approach, Joe. It, it takes the personal experience. I will travel to you, Joe. I will come to you and I will look at your ICO plan. I'll look at how much money you're expecting to make. How much of the pie you want to keep for yourself. Some people keep a 30% cliff, Joe. Some people get a 40% cliff, Joe. With Dan Dan the ICO Man Special Advisory Services, Joe, we can try and bump that up to a 50% cliff, Joe. Why give 80% of your hard-earned ICO tokens to the people buying the stuff after you have the pre-sale to all the private guys, Joe? Wow, Why really? give them all those tokens? You can keep them for yourself. Ridiculous. You can keep them for yourself. Perfect. That sounds, it sounds a little 
It sounds a little off. Um, I, I guess it's so. It's, it's it's sort of taking from the taking from the the token pool to give to the to the creators. Um. Well, Joe, what I've learned is that with the with the right marketing, Joe, with mm. the right message, you can convince people of pretty much everything. And and if you look at the ICL space, Joe, we've seen that. You can convince people of pretty much anything. So I thought, let's let's tighten this thing up a bit, Joe. Let's make sure we're offering people something that really makes them feel warm and fuzzy inside, Joe. If you're running an ICO and you want your potential donors to feel warm and fuzzy inside, feel like they were really shot to, Joe, that you really sold to them. You know, and they 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 had to consume some really good YouTube content and listen to a few great YouTube shillers to make the decision to buy into your ICO, Joe, then you come talk to Dan because Dan will show you how to give your potential buyers the best buying experience possible. I'm not saying you're pulling wool over their eyes, Joe, but uh, it's getting it's getting pretty itchy in here, Joe. Dan, you're a you're, you're certainly underappreciated for your talents. I mean, so how do people reach out to you, Dan? Joe. They can find me on, on, on the LinkedIn platform, Joe. If you search for ICO Advisor and you, you scroll down through about 50 or so pages of uh, self-proclaimed ICO Advisors, you might find me in there. But uh, the best thing you can probably do is search for Dan Dan, the ICO man's complete advisory services on Google or LinkedIn. You'll find me there, Joe. Send me a message. We can tee it up. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come in and I'll, I'll give you the, the, the special treatment. Anyway, Joe, I got to run. I got a uh, another SEC hearing to get to. These things just don't stop. They I'm the most popular person with the SEC. Who would have thought? So I'll see you later. Take it easy, Dan. My goodness, that he's certainly not getting getting caught up in a bear market, is he? No, no, he he could turn uh, he could he could turn dirt into gold. Mm. Dan, mm. at least make you think he's turning dirt into gold. Mm. Mm. Just like this afternoon, you came in and you said you just listened to an amazing podcast. Oh, can I tell you about this? If you love listening to podcasts, the best podcast episode I've ever listened to in my life came off the Tim Ferriss blog. He, uh, Tim Ferriss, four-hour work week dude, really cool guy. Um, you can find his website at tim.blog. Check out episode 326. He reposted an amazing uh, episode from Reed Hoffman, who's the LinkedIn Founders podcast called uh, uh, Masters of Scaling, I believe it is. Mm. And Reed Hoffman and Brian Chesky, who's the founder of Airbnb, were talking for a, it's a forty minute episode, but so inspiring. If you're building anything for people, um, you need to listen to this episode because it was talking about actually taking a ridiculously customer focused approach. Mm. Now it's very easy for me to say, oh, you know, focus on your customers. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're thinking of building something, you're always like, oh yeah, listen to my customers, whatever. Mm. This is this epi- this will change your life when it comes to viewing creating experiences. Mm. Um, it, it talks about Brian Chesky of Airbnb. Now Airbnb, if you've ever used the app to stay somewhere, it's a great experience. But that didn't happen overnight, and it hasn't always been a great experience. And it's still getting better. Now Brian Chesky goes through and Reid Hoffman explore what it is to actually make amazing experiences, unforgettable experiences. 
And I think the episode was called How to Scale to 100 Million Users. And you scale to 100 million users by focusing on the couple of users that you already have. Mm. You can listen to them. When you're at a small scale, you don't... A lot of uh, Reed Hoffman was saying a lot of the people are building something for a billion users. You need to build it for just a couple of those people and really listen to them. Mm. Only to what matters, there's they go into it, but it's a really great listening experience. Mm. Lots of audio entertainment there, as in lots of different things happening. Really inspiring. Um, so yeah, episode 326 of the Tim Ferriss show, you'll find it in the show notes. Absolutely changed my absolutely changed my life for sure. So there was a story in there that you said just absolutely blew your mind. Oh yeah. So Brian Chesky, the Airbnb founder, he was saying, um, yeah, he went to go and see the guy who ran Y Combinator, which is this sort of incubator for startups. Yeah. Brian Chesky, there were only a small number of users of Airbnb at the time, and Brian Chesky went up to him and the guy the guy asked him a really simple question. He was like, "So where are your users?" And, Brian, and they were in San Francisco at the time or somewhere down there, San Diego, somewhere around there. And Brian Chesky goes, well, they're in New York. And the guy from Y Combinator goes, well, why are you still here? And he <laughs> ends up going to New York, you know, taking the camera around to go and take photos of people's houses, really getting to know the people. Mm. But it was about handcrafting And he couldn't even afford photographers, could he, when oh, he was... Cra- it was crazy. <laughs> You've got to listen to it. Yeah. Amazing episode. But it was about handcrafting experiences for your users in that you'll be able to make something incredible. Mm. Um, there's so much to learn from it. So if mm. you're building something, well worth checking out. Yeah, brilliant. Crypto Spotlight. Yeah, so this in this week's Crypto Spotlight, we wanted to highlight Cardano. And there's, there's a couple of reasons. The first one is I'd read it up on Cardano a while ago. I'd got really excited and then I'd forgotten about it. Second reason is Coinbase talking about listing it. Ooh. And the third reason is there is an upcoming meetup, meet which will probably have already happened here in Brisbane, uh, where we're based, that's focused on Cardano as well. Yeah. So, and, the, and, and the fourth reason is that there's just a lot happening with Cardano at the moment. It's getting to the point where there's a lot of features finally coming out for it. Things are launching and there's some significant hype, not around the price aspect of it, but the actual technology aspect of it. So, we've we've highlighted it EOS before. We've highlighted VeChain, which are both competing in a similar space. So, we just wanted to highlight Cardano, which is kind of competing in the same same area. So, in a nutshell... <laughs> <laughs> What is Cardano and why is it so why is it why is it so hard to do it justice? Yes, it is really hard to do it justice. It's a big project. Um, Cardano is marketed essentially as a what they call layer three blockchain solution. So if you look at Bitcoin as like the first generation mm-hmm. blockchain solution, which is just money, then you can look at Ethereum as kind of the next evolution of blockchain technology in that it allowed you to have like an execution layer where code could run, so smart contracts. So Uh, money and logic. Money and business logic, yeah, exactly. Um, And then the the layer three of crypto projects is essentially focused on fixing the problems that happen with those first two generations. (laughs) So, sorry, generation three, fixing the problems with those first two generations. So, uh, scalability is a big one. Interoperability is another big one. Actually getting these... Chain, all these chains to talk to each other right. and uh, sustainability as well. 
that's kind of like the three. Carnano talks about three pillars with uh, with sustainability. So sustainability of the ecosystem itself. So right. with Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's a big issue with actually paying developers to develop for the platform and where does the foundation get its money from and who makes the decisions. And uh, and what a lot of these Generation 3, actually practically all these Generation 3 blockchains are doing is they're coming up with different solutions Mm. to that problem. So... Cardano, we'll go into it a bit later. takes uh, takes more of the pro the approach that Dash does with mm-hmm. their like decentralized governance and treasury model. Um, EOS has like a kind of a blended approach where they've got a treasury model and they've got uh, the block the block producers, which are incentivized to provide um, more value to the ecosystem. Then they've got a venture capital leg as well. So they've mm-hmm. theirs is a bit more complicated, I guess. VeChain, which we covered last time, has a similar thing. So that's the sustainability side of it. And the the, the Gen 3 chains are really focused on fixing the issues with, with the, all the other chains that came before. Wow. So what are the um, motivations behind the platform? What, like, and what are the principles that are sort of driving it? Yeah, so it's, it's all listed on their website. Essentially, the some of the principles that are motivating Cardano is – having the separation of accounting and computation into different layers on the one chain. They want to have small groups of academics and developers who compete with peer-reviewed research. So they want everything within the platform that's being implemented to be peer-reviewed by by other people within the industry, which is really different to a lot of crypto projects. I see a lot of them and they kind of come out with their own white paper and then uh, if someone criticizes it, they go, well, stuff you. Like, I don't Mm. care about your criticism. We're plowing (laughs) on anyway. Mm. Whereas it's been really refreshing as I've researched Cardano and watched the way that they've gone about things. They welcome the criticism. They're like, the more the better. Like, critique us as much as you can because- We want like we want all your criticism because we want to get to a point where no one has any valid criticism, which is which is very humble, first of all, and it's secondly the way a lot of other industries do things when they're releasing uh, software. The, the the whole the Linux ecosystem is one really really good example of this, where uh, you've got a it's 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 quite open, very open source. Uh, there's a lot of eyes looking at it, and there's a lot of critiquing going on within that, and what that generally results in is a stronger product in the end. There's a mm. reason why most enterprise uh, entities use Linux as their back end because it's just the most solid platform. It's got the most eyes looking at it, the most peer review, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's another thing I really like. Um, they, uh, they want to be able to upgrade the network without uh, destroying the network, right, which is uh, one of the, the big issues with Gen 1 right. and 2 is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of hard forking going on, soft forking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they want a, a decentralized funding mechanism for the future. They want to bring stakeholders closer to the operation and the maintenance of their cryptocurrencies. Uh, they want to be able to manage multiple assets on a single ledger. Mm. They want to. Fi- they also want to find a healthy middle ground for regulators to interact with commerce without compromising the core principles that they've inherited by Bitcoin. So they want to essentially uh, have their cake and eat it too. Um, I haven't seen much about how they're going to go about some of these yet, and we're mm-hmm. just cherry-picking some of them from the site. But uh, that's essentially some of the founding principles behind the network. So let's go into this modularity idea a bit more. 
Yeah, so modularity is one of the fundamental design choices that Cardano has made. And they've essentially split Cardano up into several areas and each of them tackle different things. So the first area in Cardano, which is of primary importance, is what's called the settlement layer. And uh, that's essentially the money layer for the for the platform, like kind of like Bitcoin. So it, it, the way it operates is by a proof of stake. So it's a proof of stake algorithm. And uh, the 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 big difference with Cardano from almost every other platform out there is it's a peer reviewed proof of stake algorithm. So like I said before, they've taken the approach of getting everything peer reviewed. And what peer reviewed is you essentially you submit your paper to other qualified ex- experts and they review it. So uh, in, in the academic world, anyone familiar with the academic world, that's what, what really goes on. Mm. If you want something published in a journal, you don't just send it to the journal and say, hey, can you publish this? You send it to your peers mm. and you say, hey, this is something I've come up with. Can you have a look at it and tell me what you think? And they'll generally go, no, this is crap. That part's kind of good. You need to improve on this. Have you thought about this? Mm. And it goes through like these iterations and eventually it gets to the stage where finally they can come to the journal after like weeks and weeks of staying up all night trying to get this thing done. They can come to the journal and say, here's my thing. Can you publish it? Oh, and these 10 professionals who are respected in the industry will all vouch for it. Mm. And then the, pe- the journal will contact those 10 professionals and they'll say, yep, We've seen the final version. We all vouch for it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how peer reviewing works. And mm. uh, you don't really see this much in crypto, but their algorithm, which they've come out with, is called Ouroboros. Mm. And uh, the, the white paper, which you can go to, is it's full of cryptographic theory, uh, but it's actually been published in a cryptographic journal. So I think wow. it was last year. Before the uh, before the big conference that cryptographers have every year, and these are like the heavyweights. So these aren't like amateur cryptographers. These are the guys that are like PhDs, experts in their field. You know, the kind of guys that are working for like some serious either government institutions or uh, big big companies securing all their stuff. Um, and uh, they were happy enough with it, and it got knocked back several times apparently. But they were happy enough with it that it finally got published. And so, it's a provably secure proof-of-stake algorithm. And I hear a lot from uh, certain communities in the blockchain area that proof-of-stake just isn't secure at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really, really good to finally see someone that's gone through those steps and they can actually say, yep, this is as secure, if not more secure than proof-of-work. I heard somewhere, I think it was a a couple of months ago, that... um, that cryptographers require more training than a surgeon does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you want to become a cryptographer, there's a there's a bunch of steps. It's all a little bit shrouded in mystery, so I don't know the exact steps. But essentially, if you are good enough to become like a bona fide cryptographer, you are at the level, if not above the level, of a surgeon in like training and expertise. Mm. It, it's that hard. Um, and uh, and you can understand it because at the end of the day, their algorithms are the backbone for a lot of the really, really secure systems that we have and they have to stand up to all sorts of hacks and all mm. sorts of attacks. Mm. So, yeah, it's a really, really insular community and, and they don't just publish things willy-nilly. And it's very easy to think that you're creating some secure way of you know, encrypting a message, whereas you know, there's probably so many holes. and yep. oh, it must be, It's very hard to design them as simple yeah. as it would sound. It's not. Yeah, yeah, and then when you when you when you tack on a like brand new thing like blockchain, um, 
to to get something that's that that community was happy with publishing is a real big achievement. So let's dive into more of this um, staking system. Yep. So essentially, proof of stake, and we we have discussed it before, but it's worth circling back around to it because nearly everything seems to be using it now. Proof of stake essentially works by proving that you have something at stake to the network. So you you generally interact with blockchain through a wallet, and generally on that wallet you'll hold some cryptocurrency, and the way that most cryptocurrencies work and, and proof of stake works is through game theory. So it's saying that you need to be incentivized to do the right thing. And if we can make sure the incentivization mechanisms are good enough, mm-hmm. then the network's going to be secure. Right. And the way that proof of stake works is saying, okay, you've got this currency in your wallet. If you are prepared to lock that up and put that on the network, so essentially put that out there and say, here's my money. Mm-hmm. I want to be considered by the network to, to write a block. To the network, mm-hmm. uh, to, so to publish a block to the blockchain, and you put that money out there as kind of like your security, like your deposit to the mm-hmm. network, and then the network looks at it, and there's there's generally like a kind of like a lottery, and this is how Cardano works. There's like a lottery system where the more money you have on the network, the bigger your chance is to be able to write a block mm-hmm. and get the block reward. Um, and so the network will look at it, and it'll eventually say, okay, it's your turn to write a block. You'll write a block to the network. You'll, you'll send it to all the other nodes. All the other nodes will check it. If everything's okay, block goes to the network. If it's shown, if the network works out that you're doing the wrong thing, you're trying to fudge the numbers. Uh, and a lot of these uh, algorithms work by having like 10 or 20, you know, different people that are looking at these blocks and, and publishing them. Mm-hmm. If there's like a discrepancy and it's shown that you're trying to fudge the numbers, then the network is entitled to take your stake away from you. Wow. It's essentially entitled to... to you know, to say, no, we're going to take that now because you've done the wrong thing. Hmm. And uh, that's the way, that's the incentivization for you putting your stake on the network because you've got something at stake. Wow. You can prove that you've got something at stake. And because of that proof that you've got something at stake, it's expected because it's in your best interest that you'll do the right thing. So is that same across all proof of stake systems or just this Cardano one? Um, I think it's similar across most of them. Yeah, That's right. generally the way it works. I know Pivx works very, very similar yeah. to that. Uh, there's several others that work very similar mm-hmm. to that. Uh, some of them have delegated proof of stake like EOS, mm-hmm. which is where you delegate people that will write the blocks. Right. And they are the ones that have the, the, uh, the, the, the stake. In the network, so you have you delegate your stake to them, right, okay. um, but uh, but yeah, it's it, that's generally how it works across the board. It's just the algorithms themselves, mm. which is w- where the difference is. How yeah. you arrive at right. the rules of the network and okay. what the different people that hold the stakes have to do, and how you get agreement. That's the that's the uh, the the issue. And so Cardano's one particularly, they've proven that they, as long as they've got fifty one percent of people doing the right thing, mm-hmm. their network's going to be secure no yeah. matter what. Yeah. And if there's less than fifty one percent doing the right thing, then they become the majority anyway, and the network will have to play by their rules, and then they're incentivized again to start doing the right thing again. Mm. So it's that's the way. It, the game theory behind it. So, uh, how how does time work with this Ouroboros? Um, what is Ouroboros? It's their algorithm? Or yeah, is yeah. So, Ouroboros, Ouroboros is their algorithm. Right. And, and and what they do, they don't really have they, – they have blocks in a sense, but they divide everything up into epochs. So, we do a similar thing with history. Mm-hmm. If you look at like a timeline, they'll like divide things up into the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, mm-hmm. you know, and then they'll be like the – the the middle middle ages and there'll be like the dark ages and 
you know, the modern era, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're all epochs and within those you've got different gears and different slots. And so they divide each epoch up into slots. And it's a generally it's a relatively short period of time. So that might be like twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. But if you win the right to uh, to write a block, you're mm-hmm. called like a slot leader. Right. And you get to essentially write one of these slots to the epoch. Wow. That it's just different terminology, but they um they they bundle things up. They've got like another step in bundling all this this mm. stuff up. And so what's the currency? What's the currency of Cardano called? Yeah, so it's called ADA or ADA, and I found out just recently that it's actually named after something. So it's uh it's 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 pronounced ADA. It doesn't just stand for Cardano, mm. and uh, it, you manage it through the Daedalus wallet. And the the aim of their Daedalus wallet is essentially to be like a multi currency wallet, similar to Ethereum or EOS, where you can have a lot of different tokens on the network. So. Mm. They're aiming to have a lot of the functionality that Ethereum has. And the network itself is built on a lot of the same principles that Ethereum's been built on. And you'll actually hear them say uh, that the way the actual network works is kind of like Ethereum, but with all the issues fixed. Wow. That's kind of what they're saying. Um, and yeah, this layer is kind of like the first layer in the stack. And then they're planning on adding several other layers. One of them's like a control layer, which they're they're saying is going to be like a trusted computational framework. So if you've got special tasks like randomness in gaming or if you need to manage identities, mm-hmm. you need something that ve- has very specific rules mm-hmm. and may not be appropriate to put on the normal like settlement layer. Yeah. So they're aiming to have side chains similar to EOS that can handle these very specific tasks. Wow. So how, do the f- how does a fee mechanism work? Yeah, so it works similar to Ethereum. Uh, it's based on the transaction and message size. So it's not, it's not strictly the same as Ethereum, but it's quite similar. So the, the, the way that gas works in Ethereum is generally it's based on what you're trying to do, you know, different sizes or different computations. And it's similar to that. You generally just pay on how big the transaction is or how big the message is you're sending. Right. And how many people are developing it? Yeah, so it's it's pretty centralized at the moment, the development. They've got uh, three different companies that are developing for it, actually, which is quite interesting. But um, they are – so you've got um, the Cardano Foundation, which is kind of – it's a not-for-profit that's in control of Cardano itself. Mm-hmm. You've got IOHK, which is a research and development company specifically focused on blockchain. They've actually done a fair bit of work for – uh, Ethereum, I think they do some work for Zcash as well. They do a few right. different projects. And mm. uh, Charles Hoskinson and Jeremy Wood run that, and they're the two masterminds behind Cardano. Right. So, this is kind of like they're, they're taking everything they've learned from previous projects and developing for this one. And there's also Emergo, which is a Japanese venture capital firm. So, they've provided a lot of the funding for this thing. So, um, it's quite centralized. There is a, 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 there's a, a roadmap for the decentralization of the project called Shelly. And they're actively working on that. So, if you go to the roadmap, which we'll talk about later, you can see what's being implemented to decentralize this. Mm-hmm. But their premise, and it's 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 the basic premise that's shared by a lot of these Gen 3 chains, is that it's a lot more effective for them to develop it in a more centralized way to begin with. Mm-hmm. Have like a centralized development team who are all on mission, on vision, building it. And then as time goes on, they'll step back from certain functions and just begin developing actual applications for the platform, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the way they're doing it. 
How fast is this thing? How does how does the speed speed work? Yeah, so uh, that's one of the big pillars that they're trying to tackle with this thing, and they're looking at a new type of technology called RINA, which is called which stands for Recursive Internetwork Architecture, Eek. and that's created by a guy called John Day. So uh, it's an alternative to TCP/IP, okay. which if anyone knows how the internet works, that's essentially how a lot of the internet works. And TCP/IP has two layers, I think, to it, but they're not really connected. And this is trying to connect, uh, have more connectedness between everything. So, we won't go into great detail about it, but it's worth looking at the Wikipedia article if you want to go deep down the rabbit hole. Uh, But basically, they believe their protocol can make it faster the more people use the network, similar to how BitTorrent works. So, BitTorrent works on a similar principle. Right. And and they're trying to bring bring that principle to the crypto space. Wow. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, How are they planning to scale? Yeah, so similar to EOS, they're uh, they're looking at implementing pruning and partitioning. So when they when they talk about partitioning, they mean that you may not have to have the whole blockchain to be able to interact with it in a really meaningful way. Like having a portion of the blockchain might be enough to be able to ascertain everything else that's gone on in the blockchain, so that you can begin developing things for it. So they're trying to make the experience as light as possible and uh, and reduce the data that people are going to need to take on to develop for this thing. And uh, there's a lot of research going on into that uh, at the University of Edinburgh. So they're, they're actually partnering with a fair few universities wow. to try and develop this. And Edinburgh is essentially tasked with the scaling implementation. Um, and the other way they're trying to tackle that is through the use of side chains. So Proof of stake is generally a quicker algorithm anyway. Mm-hmm. And similar to what EOS are, EOS are doing and a few of the other projects are doing, they're saying if we can begin implementing side chains, mm-hmm. so chains that are connected but separate, mm-hmm. uh, then we'll be able to scale this thing uh, and make it wider and wider and wider instead of you know more vertical, so more channels essentially. Which is, which is a really sound engineering principle. And I think that's why a lot of people are so enamored with this idea of side chains is that it makes sense because that's how the world works. You know, you don't just have one road. You have many roads which all go in the same direction and some might get there a little bit slower, but they might take you by some places that, you know, that they, one might take you by the supermarket, another might take you by the hardware. The highway will take you from directly from A to B and they all perform different functions. So that's the general principle. Wow. You've been pretty excited about the programming that's been used here. Um, What is Haskell? Yeah, so they're they're using this unique programming language called Haskell, and I've I've looked into it a bit. Their website is amazing. If you are a developer or someone that's even familiar with code, just jump on the Haskell website. We'll put the link in the show notes because there on the moment you boot that website up, they've got like a – uh, development environment like sitting there and it, you, all you do is type help and uh, it will and it tells you to type help on the page and it will begin a tutorial for you in the language wow. and you can literally just start programming there and then in this Haskell language and wow. the motivation for Haskell and why it's such a powerful language is it's a functional programming language which mm-hmm. means that everything is meant to be as simple and easy to understand and um, and you know, use as little space as possible right. to to make to make it as powerful as it, po- as it possibly can right. be, and easy to write code in it. And uh, and it's it, because it's as simple as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. It's by its nature very secure uh, and very easy to understand. So it, it it essentially boils things down into a really 
uh, easy way of doing things and it can be quite hard to learn initially, but once you've got the hang of it, it's meant to be very, uh, very, very user-friendly. Right. So, it's it's quite different to a lot of languages and they've built a uh, their own smart contract language called Plutus, which is based on right. that, uh, based on Haskell. Okay. But the, the big benefit for it and the reason they're so excited about it is because it's a language that actually allows you to mathematically prove how code will behave. Mm-hmm. So, because it's so simple and because it complies to a certain set of rules, you can create like a, a code checker, I guess you'd say, and you can run any code through it. And because of the way the language works, you, you're able to mathematically work out how that code's going to behave every single time, which uh, which increases reliability, increases readability, increases the the, the ease of doing maintenance. And uh, because it's so simple, it makes it easier to change the code as well if you want to change the code. And if there's an issue, it makes it a lot easier to isolate the code that's causing the problem. So, it's it, look, it, it sounds really, really good. It's not... It's not the best language for everything, but it's it's a new language and uh, the people that use it, and there's not that many people out there who know how to use it, but the people that use it swear by it. They say wow. it's, it's incredible. And uh, so it's just another one of those decisions you look at. These guys seem to be making a lot of good decisions. And once you learn about this language, which they're programming it in, it's another good decision. Right. Mm. So, Cardano are wanting to build a, an internet of blockchains on this area of like cross-chain compatibility. How are they? How are they doing it? Yeah. So they want to enable you to essentially communicate with all sorts of different blockchains. So this is something we're seeing with a lot of Gen three blockchains as well, they're all saying, look, we need to tie this together. Mm. There's not going to be one blockchain to rule them all. Mm. And there doesn't need to be because if we can find a way to communicate from one blockchain to another, everyone can run their own chain for whatever purpose they want to run. But if we but we'll be able to talk to each other. Mm. We'll be able to take we'll be able to build smart contracts that I could build a smart contract on uh, Cardano that would react to something on Ethereum. Mm. That'd be amazing, you know, mm. and then you could start looking at blockchains and say, okay, well, what makes the most sense for me to to run my specific program on? And you wouldn't have to worry about the trade-off of not being able to talk to anything else on a different mm. chain. Mm. And you may even be able to build a program that runs across several different blockchains, if that makes sense. Wow. The way they're proposing doing this is by using something called the K framework. So what is what is the K framework? Yeah, so the K framework is essentially like a language of languages. So it what it can do is like pr- define formal definitions of rules mm-hmm. in any programming language, which allows you right. essentially build like a base language mm-hmm. and you can have certain concepts within that language and they'll correspond to almost any programming language at all. So it's kind of like the easiest way to picture it is like Latin. So mm-hmm. People used to study Latin because it was what most of our languages these days, which have come from Europe, are based out of. Mm. And if you understand Latin, you can generally get a good handle on almost any European language. K is quite similar in that you can, if you know K and you know the principles of K, all you have to do is work out how any given language distills down into K. Mm. You can, and then you can create like a, a K decompiler where you can take like solidity from ethereum or you can take python from somewhere else and you can decompile it down into k and then recompile it somewhere else in another language and this is this has come out of universities i think in in uh in the uk and the us but they've got it 
that well that they've actually decompiled the Ethereum, the whole Ethereum blockchain and the language, and they've recompiled it on a testnet, which runs on Cardano, mm-hmm. and you're able to communicate from the main Cardano chain to this testnet through this like layer. Uh, using the K framework, which is, which is really interesting. So it's so is that for understanding other la- other languages or why? So it, it's so that if you can if you can have a common, it's kind of like the the issue we have with the banking system at the moment. We've, we're all running all these different currencies. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Australian, US, whatever. The reason Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are such a big deal is that we can have like a common layer mm-hmm. which we can all transact on and we don't have to worry about exchanging different currencies. We can just send currencies to somewhere else in the world and it's the same currency. So K is sort of like the reserve currency of programming languages in a way? In a way. Kind of every, like it's, everyone it's, can trade through it. That's right. It's like the level playing field. Right, so yeah, if, if, yeah. You can, if you can compile Bitcoin down into K, Ethereum down into K, Cardano down into K, EOS down into K, you can build like bridges between each blockchain which work on that language, and all you need to do is communicate to each of those blockchains still in your own language, Mm -hmm. but using those bridges, and those bridges will automatically break down your language into something everyone else can understand. It's kind of like, have you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No, I've seen the film. Okay, well, in the film, did they have that like thing they put in their ear, the, the fish? That oh, let them understand yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Oh, it's like okay. it's like the babble fish of yeah. uh, programming languages. So you can put this like K fish in your programming brain, <laughs> and uh, you can kind of understand all the different languages because they all boil down. Right. The way they've built this, you can boil pretty much any language down into this K framework. That is a great analogy. I enjoyed that. <laughs> so- Okay. Yeah, well, it just it just means that you can talk to any blockchain. It's still very early days, but you know, if you can write smart contracts in this language, uh, you wouldn't even have to worry about which chain it's on. Wow, which is massive. Sheesh. Yeah. So what you could export from K to other languages? Yeah, yeah. What's the point of learning other? La- that's, <laughs> that's great. Cool. Yeah, it's um, a big deal. So let's let's hit onto the a, a really important topic: governance. Yeah. Yep. Um, what's the model um, and what are some of the key takeaways about it? Yeah, so Cardano are adopting a model which is similar to the Dash model. And we've talked about Dash before. Dash runs a decentralized autonomous organization which essentially funds their network. So if you run a masternode on the network, which generally means you have to have a certain amount of Dash Mm -hmm. and then you need to set up some infrastructure and host things like private send and instant send, which are two of the features on the network, Mm -hmm. um, you get like a seat at the governance table. And what's generally involved in this governance table is whenever a block is produced on the Dash network, the treasury, there'll be this treasury which gets some money sent to it. And if you run a masternode, you can vote on resolutions for for where this treasury is spent. Mm -hmm. So last year, for example... There was a hurricane in America. Dash voted to send a couple of boats down to help rescue people and they they put Dash stickers on the side of it. Uh, There's a festival in America recently where they uh, paid for everyone's point of sale systems to take Dash and refunded the first $5 of any transaction. So it meant a lot of people got to eat for free on that day thanks to Dash. And that was all uh, done by decentralized autonomous uh, voting. From wow. this from this organization. And uh, the other thing it does is it funds development as well and it mm. funds different things that happen on the network and they can choose what gets 
uh, added to the network and the platform. And Cardano is proposing to do a similar thing. So they want to have a liquid democracy with a treasury model. So what is liquid democracy? So as opposed to uh, what we could call pretend democracies, mm. which is what we live in at the moment, where we get to like vote once every three or four years on a binary decision for a for a for a dictator mm-hmm. uh, and a couple, a few other people to put in there with the dictator, maybe. Liquid democracy means that every decision that so, that the network wants to make, mm-hmm. people can elect whether they want to vote on it or not. Okay. And uh, not only can they elect whether they want to vote on on that, they can maybe elect someone else to delegate to have the responsibility for voting on things. So if you if you really like how someone makes decisions. Um, then you can say, okay, I want, I, I like how Jeff Berwick makes decisions. I'm going to elect Jeff Berwick as my delegate because mm-hmm. I, I, I agree idealistically with what what he does, right. and uh, and you know whatever Jeff Berwick votes for. You you mm-hmm. could vote for so but, so sort of a, a sort of a lazy way out, but at the same time, it's based on somebody you trust, like yep. you know Ron Paul or you know let Bernie do my yeah. do my. Do but my the politics. difference being, if you like, if let's say you don't care about most things, let's say the only thing you know a lot about is economic policy, mm-hmm. you're happy for Jeff Berwick or whoever you know he elects to vote for his stuff to vote for everything else, but you know you want to vote on every economic policy thing yourself. You can then say, I'm going to give Jeff the power to vote on everything else, but for economic policy stuff, I'm going to take my vote back. I'm going to vote on it myself. This is actually such a dangerous idea. Yeah. This is, ter- this is a terribly dangerous idea. It's, it's the, it, it, it could be the rule of the mob. Wow. But at the same time, uh, consensus uh, have a very similar model. Uh, and consensus are probably the biggest Ethereum development company in the world and they run uh, what they call a holacracy which is essentially a liquid democracy Wow! and uh, it operates on very simple similar principles and I know from talking to some of the people involved in the project that there's there's been some teething pains but generally I think things end up working pretty well and uh, and I, I guess it just depends who's participating in your network and and uh, and yeah, who has skin in the game? And mm. yeah, so it was one of the things I thought was interesting about what he's saying was you know people can vote on their policies directly, or they don't have to vote on those policies. Mm. That kind of rings a bell with sort of Switzerland, where don't they send like a text message out, or you do it via text or something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. SMS? So so they'll have referendums, very regular referendums. And last time myself and my wife were in Switzerland, mm. there was a vote going on at the time around nuclear power. So they essentially said, we've got a few nuclear power stations. Do we want to keep them? And uh, I think it was like 52 to 48, they voted to ditch the nuclear power. Wow. Um, so there's now, and, and that was just something they went directly to people with. And it works through that. I'm just not sure exactly how they work out what needs a referendum and what doesn't, mm-hmm. but it's somewhere in their constitution that well, if something- like something over a certain number of votes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 there's something something in there. So, it's it's a bit like Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland still is a representative democracy and there's still a lot of flaws in the system. And then it comes it's, down to like media and- Yeah. And, anyway, yeah, sorry. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's arguable whether it's better or a worse system for some people, but at the same time, Switzerland works really well. Like that's a, You go there and everything works great, so- I don't know. They must be onto something. Must be a sham. Uh, yeah. It's a sham. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like it, it just means that the opinion of every single person counts towards final policy. Wow. You know, and um, that's awesome. 
and gives you, yeah, you, if if dele- delegates need the direct trust of people, and as if I'm delegating someone and they do the wrong thing, I've got recourse to to pull their sponsorship. You know, mm. it, it is nuts with Cardano the amount of peer review that is going on with this wow. thing. Like they they're not hesitant to like go to experts and say, can you review this? And wow. it's actually really funny. The uh, Cardano Foundation reviews IOHK, the company, and vice versa. So, like, oh, yeah. if they come up with an idea, the other company will, like, get it audited and get it reviewed to make sure that they're all on the same page, you know? And they'll, they, they, you go onto their website and it's like, oh, yeah, we just got this thing peer-reviewed and there's, you know, 10 cryptographic experts that have validated this new concept that we've come up with. You know, it's just really refreshing to see... A, a blockchain project taking the view that we need to give this to as many people as possible to check, and it makes sense because you're playing with people's money. And you, if 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 smart contracts and blockchain platforms are meant to be as big as they're going to be, the platform needs to be bulletproof. Mm. Um, mm. So it just gives me, as someone you know, looking at a projects to really get behind, a lot of confidence. So, if I'm super pumped about what Cardano entails, yep. where's the best place to go to see what's, what the future plans are? Yeah, so there's a website called cardanoroadmap.com, and it's run by the Cardano Foundation, I think. But it is absolutely incredible. The roadmap, this website sets it all out in a really, really easy to, uh, to understand way. Um, there's, you, you can see exactly what's been worked on. So what's been finished, you can see what's coming up. They've got like percentages, uh, down the, down the bottom to show you what's, uh, what's, you know, what's nearing f- completion, what's not that complete. They classify the different parts of the roadmap by the different projects. So at the moment they're working on a lot of Shelly, which is like their decentralized sector to Cardano as they try and make it more and more decentralized. But uh, yeah, you can look back and look through all the different things that they've uh, they've gotten done, which is which is really good. So mm. if you want to know more about what they're doing, that's a great website to visit. Uh, there's also a brilliant summary of a lot of what Cardano is doing, which Block Geeks did. And we'll put the link in the show notes to that too. We l- relied quite heavily on that uh, in putting together our research for this. It was a really good base to start with Mm. um so yeah you can you can check that out as well i guess the only other thing to say is cardano is available you can you can purchase your own cardano coins now uh Mm. there's a test net for different things out now as well you can download the wallet the daedalus wallet so if it is something you're interested in you can go out and get it now Mm. um i think it's on a lot of i think it's on most reliable exchanges excellent privacy and security Password managers. Mm. Um, if you're saving your passwords in Chrome... Stop now. Yes. Just stop it. There's password managers out there that will manage all your passwords. You can think of an incredibly long password, and that's what I'd advise, incredibly long password uh, to kind of secure that account. Mm. Um, but then once you've thought of that, don't use it for anything else, and then you can... The, all you need to remember is that password... And the password manager will manage all your other passwords. And most reliable password managers will let you generate passwords for each of your new accounts. So, Mm. what that means is every different website you sign up to, you can have a different password. And that's what you should be doing because the issue with having like one or two or three passwords is that if that gets compromised and someone gets your email address or your password, 
uh, they can log into everything. So if you've got the same password for all your exchange accounts, for example, or if you've got the same password for Facebook and you've signed up for an exchange, if someone gets mm. your Facebook password, they can log into your exchange. And if that's the same password for your email as well, they can also log into your email and those reminders that exchanges send to you saying, do you really want to transfer $100,000 worth of this currency to this new account that come to your email, they'll be able to access that. Mm, mm, mm. So there are a few different password managers out there. Um, I know I've used them in a business environment quite mm. a bit. Um, there's one I used to use called Team Password where you could share passwords amongst teams yep. and sort of limit who gets access to them. Is there a specific password manager you'd recommend? So the one that's probably the 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 most used and I've never heard of it having any issues is LastPass. Right. It's uh it's great because it, it integrates in all your browsers. So it's right. it's there's a plugin which will integrate in your browser. You can set a really long password for it. It's uh it's encrypted, it's free. Um they do have paid plans for like premium plans and businesses and things like that. That's how they make their money. But uh the great thing about LastPass is that you can generate a password on the fly whenever you go to sign up to something new. So if I'm signing up to a new exchange, for example, I'll put in my email address and then I'll a little bar will pop up saying, do you want to generate a... You can click on it and say generate right. password and I'll set it to like 70 characters with absolutely all sorts of just random numbers and letters and then um, hit submit and then it'll come up as, do you want to save this password to LastPass? And you save it to LastPass right, and that's encrypted saved into your repository and uh <laughs> the and- worst thing is i set up with some company ages back someone a company a financial services institution you should have required like a lot of security <laughs> after all this massive password with spaces and special characters and all that it was like no more than eight characters oh no was it no more than nine characters oh. no spaces no none of this crazy stuff lest you accidentally close one of their brackets in their code or something yeah it's amazing man like there's videos you can go go to on youtube where people walk into office buildings and they're able to like get everyone's passwords as they walk around the building because people have them like on sticky notes Mm. to attach Mm. to their monitors you know which at that point it's like why even have a password (laughs) like it makes no sense it's just yeah it's lip service to security yeah yeah and so yeah like LastPass is probably the most successful one there's another one called keypass xc which isn't held in your browser it's a bit it's a lot more secure um and that one you you host it locally so that's the issue and you can still put it on like a cloud system but it'll be all encrypted so you can back it up and if you're using something like keypass xc i'd recommend backing it up Mm. a lot um, so if the idea of having something within a browser isn't appealing to you, KeyPassXC is a good one. Uh, there's also Dashlane, which is another one uh, which which a lot of people use. Um, that that's that seems to be pretty pretty well. I've never used it before. I've used KeyPassXC. I've never used Dashlane, uh, but I, I've heard good things about Dashlane as well. So there's a few out there, but just be really careful. I, I I'd advise against using any of the newer ones just because, especially if they're hosted in the cloud, because you never know where that company's going to go under. Um, the, 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 the hosting itself may be secure, but if you're not keeping a backup of your archive, um, you don't know whether it's going to go under or not. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's something else you need to take care of as well. Bottom line is just get a password manager. Start changing all your passwords. Never have the same password for any two things. It just makes life so much easier, but more importantly, it makes it more secure. Amazing.
Anyway, let's we better call Jordan. Mm. I mean, he's he's the other one that we were uh, we were we were on the hook to call today. So, uh, so let's have we we haven't heard from Jordan in a while either, have no, we? Last I heard, he was he was down in Vegas for our gambling coins episode, but. I think he got in a bit of trouble there, as he always does. But, mm. um, yeah, he's. I may as well check in and see what he's up to. Yeah. Okay. Let's give him a call. Jordan, are you there? Oh, yes, Brew. How are you doing, huh? Oh, good, Jordan. It's It's been a little while. Oh, mate, it's been far too long. Far, it's, I've been I've been busy. I've been doing things. You know how it goes, you know, new leaf, new day, you know, new day, new new life, you know, new life, new identity, any, any new day, you know, you know how it goes, huh? How are you doing, Brew? So, Jordan, last time we left you, you sounded like you are in a bit of trouble with some people you lent some money to. Oh, Brew, you know, every, the past is in the past, huh? you know, we, we don't, we, we don't, you know, every, we don't judge people by their past, you know, where I'm from, and uh, I, I don't think you should either, huh? Right, okay. So, wh- what are you doing now, Jordan? Well, actually, I'm doing a bit of unique reporting. Huh? I, I actually had John McAfee, he actually reached out to me, you know, the uh, the famous uh, the, the famous crypto, crypto advisor. Mm. Uh, he reached out to me personally via my computer. He said, look, I want you to renew your subscription. I said, look, I'm going to come and find you. I'm going to chat to you. I'm going to talk to him. So I'm, I'm actually on the trail of John McAfee now, and uh, and yes, that's what we're doing, huh? So you've been trying to hunt down John McAfee because he got in touch with you on your computer about a subscription? Oh, Bru, it seems very exclusive. He had a deal for me and everything. He said, look, you need you need to get into I, I Basically, I didn't want to pay for it, so I figured, why don't I just come to you if you've got such good deals, huh? Right, okay. So what's this subscription for, Jordan? Oh, it's some kind of uh, security something for my computer. I don't, I don't really know the technical, you know, bumbo jumbo. I'm, I'm there to interview him and find out a bit more about what makes him tick. Huh? Okay, all right. So have, have you gone about tracking him down? Oh, do you know what? I got on a plane. Uh, mm-hmm. I travelled. I'm now on a Pacific island, and I'm currently looking for him. I don't know where he is, but uh, I'm honest. I'm, I'm hot on his, hot on his trail. If I'm not, not incorrect. You're in a Pacific island. Oh, yes, pretty Where else would you want to be if you got uh, a lot of money, if, you know, one in Vegas? You won in Vegas? Oh, uh, you know, why winning is, you know, is a very interesting word, but uh, I have more money than I went in with, so it's, it's a good time for, for Jordan, yes? Okay, all right. And so what are you doing while you're there, Jordan? It's funny you should say that. While I was here, I figured, you know, this is the Pacific. There are coconut trees everywhere. There are coconuts, but I figured, you know what? They do not have. They do not have the blockchain. And I figured, why don't we bring coconuts onto the blockchain? Everybody likes coconuts. Everybody likes blockchain. I said I would turn the fortunes of this small Micronesian island around with the blockchain. So, Jordan, you're putting coconuts on a blockchain. Look, you know, they fall from trees. They they cause a lot of damage, but you know what doesn't cause damage? Blockchain does not cause damage. So I figured, why not? It's a good use case. It's very obvious. Every coconut needs to be on a blockchain. And okay, Jordan, how's this been received in the in this? Oh, very well. Blockchain? They're very impressed. You know, um, uh, I've talked to a couple of people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they sounded excited and they nod- they nodded a lot and um, okay. and smiled. So yes, it must have been a pretty good time, huh? Okay. All right, well, we will uh, we'll watch your burgeoning Pacific Islands project with great interest, Jordan. Mate, absolutely. I'll keep you updated, huh? Okay, well, look, my other big 
question, Jordan, is uh, we haven't had an article from you in about six months. Oh, look, do you know what? I feel like my credit is running out of my phone. I have to catch you another time, huh? Jordan, what, you need to... He's gone. Typical. Classic Jordan, man. Classic Cronier. <sighs> well... He's somewhere in the Pacific. I mean, John McAfee's coming over here in, to Australia in a few weeks. Oh, so. no, tell me Jordan won't turn up as well. Well, I don't know. That would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to wait. Could you imagine him here in this country where everything tries to kill you? He would be. He would not last very long. I mean, I'm bad enough and I'm English. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe we'll have an uh, in-studio appearance from Jordan Cronier. Oh, mate. <laughs> hide your hide your, hide your valuables. <laughs> if you know it's somebody who might enjoy this, why not share the show with them? Um, you can find us at FOMO.show. You can jump on our telegram at FOMO.show slash telegram. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the FOMO show. And YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube. That's it for us here at the FOMO Show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember, no FOMO. moment they hear about it they're like blockchain let's blockchain everything it was clearly an executive meeting that came out of some sort of innovation group the innovation (laughs) group are like what's trending on twitter yeah and they're like and the executives are like what should we do about blockchain and someone's like we should patent it Um, it's really annoying i swear i had this idea at uni you vote on policies and you can delegate your vote if you're lazy <laughs> and it was literally just like you have forced 20 year policies, so like things that everyone can agree on. Yeah. Education, healthcare, mostly agree on. <laughs> you have like 20 year plans for stuff that the government's not like it's just enforced because that's what the people want. Like, yeah. can all pretty much agree on. Yeah. And like the intricacies of that makes ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> mate. Um, what would, which sort of tools would you recommend for the everyday? Password person, <laughs> person for the everyday password. What would you recommend for saving passwords? <laughs> How hard is that? <laughs> I'm just trying. <laughs> this is such a polished podcast. We're really putting our heart and soul into this. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe to your podcast. Please do feel. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice. If you like our show. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to say it, man. All right. If you like our show, um, that sounds ridiculous. It's like it's like that sprinter you see who like makes it like three thousand meters. No, like the ten thousand meter walk, and he's like doing the last lap around the thing, and then like right before the finish line, just collapses. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
It's so true. It's like, That's literally why. Like you ran nine nine points, like nine nine eight nine of the way. We went through the intricacies <laughs> of a third generation blockchain, That's right. and yet. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> That's what did it. <laughs> Just, yeah, it. That's what did it. <laughs> it's the proverbial straw, and you are the proverbial camel. 